everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Sound Judgment, a show where we debate song versus song. My name is Sam Tonning, and we have... Harris Anderson. And we are going to debate a couple of great tunes today, and our guest judge, the person making the final call as to which song is better, is Lauren McGibbon. Hi, Lauren. Hi, everyone. Uh, Lauren is a uh, member of the main stage ensemble at uh, Theater Sports here in Vancouver, BC, Canada. She's also a very accomplished actress. She's uh, appeared on uh, Netflix's A Series of Unfortunate Events, uh, Freaky Friday on Disney+, and she's going to be in a in an upcoming Netflix movie called Godfrey with Nick Thune and Eliza Schlesinger. Nice. <laughs> I nearly choked on my own saliva when I said Schlesinger. <laughs> thank you for being here, Lauren. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is fun, and... Uh... You know, the, the format of the show is Harris and I have been randomly assigned a couple of songs, mm-hmm. and we have to debate which song is better. And mm-hmm. this is kind of in a formal environment where we present our arguments. We have okay. an opportunity to cross-examine each other. You have, as the judge, the arbiter, the, the opportunity to ask us questions about the songs and the arguments. We present our closing case, and then you make the final decision, and I'm we excited. talk about it. Um, so you have a lot of power here, mm-hmm. Lauren, and I'm excited uh, for you to be... Uh, on the program and uh, uh, make the call as to which song is better because Harris's song is a classic composition yes. uh, called The Night on Bald Mountain by Modest Mazorksky. You're probably familiar with it. Most people <laughs> listening are probably most familiar with it. Uh, Fantasia. The, the Fantasia. Fantasia. Nailed the scary it. sequence from Fantasia yeah, with the I giant devil thing on Always fast forward. Yes. And get back to pretty... Grecian goddesses or dancing hippopotamuses. It's one of the darker things Disney's done. Well, uh, we're going to listen to this as well. Uh, But what's my song, Harris? Sam will be making the case for the 1981 uh, eponymous track from the uh, album The Dude, Quincy Jones' The Dude. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we listen to him right now? Okay. And then we'll listen. Okay. Well, those were the songs. We listened to The Dude by Quincy Jones and uh, Night on Bald Mountain as composed by Modest Mazorgsky, uh, a version played by the Philadelphia Orchestra. Sam, why don't you give us some information about The Dude? The Dude, 1981, multi-Grammy award winner produced by Quincy Jones. Uh, featured on the album are so many fantastic musicians, but this was... He was not playing anything on it. He did the rap, uh, which 1981, you know, you guys laugh at it, but it's pre-rap as we know it today. Um, Sold a million copies. Pretty popular tune. I don't know really what else to say. The album was a hit. Is is this post-Shaft? Post Shaft, Shaft came out I think in 1973. Okay, great. With uh, Isaac Hayes did the yes. album along with it. Was he at Stax at the time? I forget. Is Isaac Hayes on this recording? No, he's not. Oh, okay. I thought I thought that spoken word part was him. No, the spoken word part was Quincy Jones. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a big hit of an album. Won a bunch of Grammys. Excellent. Okay. Good to know. Nominated for twelve. Nominated for 12. Yeah. Night on Bald Mountain. Uh, as Sam mentioned, a composition by Modest Mazorski, composed in 1867. Um, interestingly enough, it was never performed during Mazorski's lifetime, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, I wonder why. 
been described as a musical picture of a Russian legend, uh, which is a witch's Sabbath on St. John's Eve. He actually completed it on St. John's, John's Eve. What's Ooh. that? It's a, it's a, like a Slavic holiday. Uh, I don't really know that much about it. It's kind of similar to our, our kind of like a winter solstice. Oh, I do think. you celebrate it by wearing tracksuits? Uh, well, it's in the Ukraine, so <laughs> possibly. <laughs> I think they celebrate a lot of things wearing tracksuits. Yeah. Uh, five years after Mazorsky's death, a Russian composer named Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov made an arrangement which went on to become the most recognized version of the piece. And of course, in 1940, the piece was used in the Disney film Fantasia, which gained it even greater exposure. 1940s Fantasia. 1940. Yeah. With Mickey Mouse running away from the devil? Is that what happened? He's actually the sorcerer's He's apprentice. The, the sor- oh, I don't know what the fucking difference yeah. is. Did you confuse <laughs> Mickey Mouse and a Van Halen song? Running- <laughs> <laughs> Did you running think there was a the segment devil? where Mickey Mouse is running with the devil? <laughs> I live my life like a... <laughs> I live my life like a... Oh, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into this fucking thing. Okay. Oh, cursing. Language. What? We haven't chastised me for cursing until now. <laughs> yeah, well, I... He likes you, Lauren. Whoa. So you're the arbiter. You're the... I am the arbiter. You're the moderator. I'm the moderator. So you signal who goes first for their arguments. Um, who is arguing for? I'm the dude. I'm arguing for Bald Mountain. Okay. Well, first impressions. I'm leaning towards Night on Bald Mountain. So why don't you take it away and change my mind about the dude? Oh, Ooh, nice. Okay, <laughs> the dude, 1981, Quincy Jones. Now Quincy Jones is a legend, right? He, we all have seen the documentary on Netflix. The Q Man, if you will. The Q Man, exactly. Uh, 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 a true icon in American music. Uh, Lauren, no need to answer. This is my rhetoric coming through. But your father is a composer in film and television. Yes. Quincy Jones' career began, grew, and he became solidified as one of the greatest composers for film and TV himself. Now, are we going to really talk about these two songs as being in the same league, in the same game, in the same anything. It's hard to do, but here we are seated across from each other at 795 East Cordova trying to do that exact thing. I was, you know, usually when starting to debate a song, we look at who played on the song, but it's hard to do when all we're looking at and comparing is a composition from 150 goddamn years ago against something that came out in the early 80s. I can't talk about the musicians who, wait, never played on the original version of this song because it was never done when it was written. Night at Bald Mountain? Ugh, I don't know. I got bored listening to it. I got bored researching it. I've never seen Fantasia sober in my life. But here's what makes the dude so great. The musicians on it are the absolute peak musicians of an era. You had Michael Jackson, James Ingram, Stevie Wonder, Steve Lukather, Lewis Johnson, John Robinson. These are the best of the best musicians in the United States and the world at the time, putting together something that is a singular vision of a legendary musician, composer, songwriter, Quincy Jones. Here's the thing. We're comparing the merits of one song understood in its completeness, the dude, versus another's interpretation, an orchestra playing the night on Bald Mountain. 
It's incomparable because immediately we have a bias towards what we're listening. We're not imagining the work required to compose the dude, we're just listening to the musicians play it. While we're focusing on the actual writing of A Night at Bald Mountain, not taking into account that it was never played while the man was even alive. Now, is the dude a pop tune? Yes, it is. Now, we'll denigrate the pop fundamentals of the dude in favor of the more classical, of the classical Mazorgsky piece without recognizing the pivotal role Quincy Jones played in the evolution of orchestral music. Here is a man, Quincy, who wrote scores for some of the most enduring films of all time, such as The Italian Job, Austin Powers, and The Wiz. These are scores musicians who would be in the Philharmonic Orchestra playing The Night on Bald Mountain would want to play because it's challenging music, it's interesting music, yes, it's pop music, and it's also more financially rewarding than playing the shitty Night at Bald Mountain. To take a man who creates this kind of music and stripping away the classical pretense and let him roam in the world of pop music produces magic. Of which the dude is a perfect example. Put it fundamentally, if you think the Night on Bald Mountain is a better song than the dude, you don't understand music and you are a racist because Quincy Jones is a person of color. I'm done. Well, I think. Uh, is it? Is it? Do I ask questions now? No, no, no. Harris no. Is okay. presented. Okay. No, I always just have to take a minute because it's always a lot to take in yeah. whenever Sam talks. It was. <laughs> it was. Um, Night on Bald Mountain. Okay. Like many children of the 1990s, I was exposed to the movie Fantasia on video cassette. Sam exposed himself to a lady named Fantasia, but that's another story. Um, of the American all the... Idol winner? No, she was well, a runner-up. <laughs> we need a separate podcast. I, I shoot for number two always. <laughs> of all the segments, the one that stuck in my head the most was Night on Bald Mountain. The episode terrified me. It was and is an incredibly evocative and atmospheric composition that still raises goosebumps on the listener's skin. Great classical music transports us. And accordingly, it doesn't matter where you are listening to Night on Bald Mountain. If you close your eyes, you will be transported to a Slavic village as the moon climbs high in the sky and dark clouds circle around the jagged spire of Bald Mountain. Maybe the leathery wings of some fell creature are unfurling on the mountain's peak in preparation for some dark mischief. Night on Bald Mountain tells a story wordlessly of the creeping unease that accompanies nightfall and the fear of the unknown, of the terrible power of evil, and also in the uplifting coda that signifies the coming of the dawn. Where does the warmed-over disco soup that is the dude take you? To a mall in Sarasota, Florida, where you are shopping for a hideous satin shirt to go with your white loafers. Ugh. How ironic is it that such an iconic, beloved piece of music was composed by a man named Modest? Very. How surprising is it that someone named Quincy wrote a five-and-a-half-minute ode to a pimp? Not at all. I rest my case. <laughs> oh, God. So now we get to ask questions of each other. Who should go first? Um, let, let's just keep going back and forth. Let's have Sam question Harris. Harris, I appreciate what you said there and the fact that you didn't touch on uh, the music itself, just the world it put you in when listening to it. Okay. <laughs> Harris, why... Are we listening to a 150-year-old composition? Why do we go to museums? Why to do we look go at to things that don't matter. You're right. Good point. 
You have to be on drugs to enjoy a night on Bald Mountain. I think you have to be on drugs to enjoy a lot of things, you personally. I mean, probably just day-to-day life. <laughs> just SSRIs. Um, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that you listen to this song, you get transported to a Slavic village. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine you get transported to a basement where you're getting cyber-bullied. Uh, well, okay. Do you think Michael Jackson <laughs> a is a good musician? Do I think Michael Jackson is a good musician? Yes. Uh, yes, I suppose he was, yes. Yeah. Are you a supporter of his extracurricular activities? Uh, you mean his dancing? Yes. Oh, he's an amazing dancer. Do you put Modest Mazorsky up there with Bach, Mozart, Rachmaninoff? Hmm, that is interesting. I don't know if he's on the same level. Well, first of all, I appreciate classical music, but I'm not terribly well-versed in it. Mm-hmm. Would I put him on the same level as Bach? I don't think a scholar would say he was on the same level. No. I think he had a f- one or two no- very notable con- compositions as opposed to Bach. It kind of contributes uh, a, a huge bulk of what is considered uh, uh, rel- culturally relevant classical music. Do you think music. that academics studying pop music in the 20th century would put Quincy Jones up there with some of the top musical producers and comp- composers of his era? Producers... Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. obviously. That's what I wanted to hear. Thank you. Uh, do you prefer Modest Mazork? I can't even pronounce his fucking name. Uh, Modest Mazorsky or Modest Mouse? Do I prefer Modest Mouse or Mo- Modest Mazorsky? Yes. Uh, you know, in terms of just casual listening, I- I'm probably going to go for the mouse. Thank I- you. That's the answer I was looking for. Um, do you you have a driver's license, Harris? Yes. Would you use your driver's license with a horse and buggy? What? It's a simple question. You don't need a driver's license to drive a horse and buggy. Do you think classical music is as outdated as a horse and buggy? No, I think classical music is exactly what it says in the title. It's classic. It it it, it's, it doesn't age. How it's do you... preserved for all time. Okay, so you think it, it stands the test of time. Absolutely. How do you feel about the fact that most people who play classical music are white? Are you okay with that? Well, first of all, I don't know where you're getting your figures from. We don't know. There's oh, class- oh, classical oh. music is played all over the world. There's uh, you know people like Yo Yo Ma. There's people mm-hmm. like uh, you know the Suzuki method is a, a a method of learning violin that was uh, created by a Japanese gentleman, right? Classical music reaches all over the world. There's yeah. orchestras in every country in the world. Do you think it is an especially inclusive form of music? Well, in its inception, probably not, just because it was, you know, for where it was created. But nowadays, I mean, it's kind of part of the canon of, of learning a classical, uh, of learning the, the most classical form of an instrument, like piano or, or cello that's, that's, or strings. That sounds tautological to me in that classical music is required to learn classical music. Okay. Uh do you think that the so classical African- music is racist? That's no, no, your- no, I didn't say that at okay. all. Okay. Do you think the African American experience is less worthy than the late nineteenth century Russian experience? Well, speaking as a black person, I I think that you know we shouldn't really be battling experience versus experience. You know, it's 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 more about. Uh, I'm not actually black. I, I should mention that to the. Oh, listeners. you had us all confused. Yeah, I'm sure they were. They thought I was. <clears throat> What was the question again? 
I, I think you answered it enough. Okay. Done. <laughs> Sam, did you know Steve Lukather played on The Dude? Absolutely. He was the preeminent session guitar player in yeah. the 80s in Los Angeles and was Quincy Jones's go-to musician for uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller as well as his other compositions. Yeah, so this is our and, eighth and episode, producer. and I think it's only only the fifth time that he's appeared. It's the second. Okay, The Dude. I, th- I think it would be a more apt title if you took the E off the end, personally. <laughs> the Dud. Yeah. The opening okay. guitar riff sounds like a siren. Um is that a warning that we're going to be bored really soon? <laughs> I think it's a synth. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, it's still a warning. Uh, the Dude features a guest appearance by Michael Jackson with a distorted vocal filter on him. So does that mean Quincy Jones thought Michael Jackson on his own wasn't weird enough? <laughs> uh, no. I. If you look at the uh, track listings for the whole album, Michael Jackson is featured rather prominently throughout who is the dude? The dude is a man who knows what he likes in life and goes out there and gets it. So a pimp. Whoa, I don't know where this pimp comes from. Is it because you think he's a pimp because he's black? Well, Harris? they mentioned a walking stick. I mean, so he's not an elderly gentleman. Why wouldn't he be an elderly gentleman? How dare you assume that elderly people wouldn't want to enjoy life? I don't think... Ugh, whatever. Okay, next question. Well, no, I, this is an interesting... Uh, what do you think he does? You know, they talk about like you know hustling and like you know easy. You you better pay him what you owe and everything. Mm-hmm. Is he an investment banker? <laughs> I think he is a uh, a businessman. Okay, so he's a criminal. Whoa, why? <laughs> well, let's. He's not running an orphanage. Look, you owed me money for the last two weeks for a pool tournament. Hey, hey, now which I paid. Yeah, after how much prodding? I had to go get you my didn't, money. You didn't have to go get your money. You didn't have to go get your money. You didn't have to go get All right, we're not talking about a pool tournament. This is ridiculous. Um, oh, I had a note here. Challenging, interesting. Would you say that uh, this is a more challenging song, The Night on Bald Mountain? Absolutely. Which requires uh, the participation of. Dozens of musicians yeah. to, to bring to life. I would say that the uh, sheet music, the lead sheet for the dude, is as challenging as it is for a night at Bald Mountain. You look at each individual part and the subtle differences throughout the entire five and a half minutes, it's remarkable. You listen to the kick drum alone on John Robinson's playing, and it varies subtly throughout the whole tune in perfect harmony with the bass line, with every other part of it. The subtlest starting off, you have the hi-hat accentuated. Okay, I think I get the idea. No, no, fuck. No, 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 I get the idea. I'm answering the question. Well, you cut me off before, so... I'm, I, yeah. I got what the answer I needed. The answer is, my answer is, absolutely, this is as challenging a piece of music as composed on the page than uh, uh, A Night at Bald Mountain. Sam, you took aim at Night on Bald Mountain earlier uh, because you said this wasn't actually performed during Modest Mazorski's lifetime. Yeah. So it's an interpretation. Exactly. But this isn't interpretation versus interpretation. This is song versus song. The written song versus the written song. If we're doing the written song versus the written song... You can still take the dude over a, a, cla- a, a classic, yeah, such as Night on Bald Mountain? Yeah, if you want to actually play on the musical complexity, yeah, it's just as complex in the pop medium. In the pop medium? Yeah. Well... it's Night on Bald Mountain, as a musician, is not a hard song to play. Well, I mean, I think that's a bit disingenuous. I mean, it requires strings, for example. With stringed instruments are notoriously hard to learn and play, whereas probably easier than a guitar or a bass guitar to learn. Would you agree with that? 
Uh, well, I mean, a bass guitar or a guitar is a stringed instrument, so no, I think it's a false premise. But is a bass guitar easier to learn than a violin? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. So the, 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 music, the instruments involved are probably a little more accessible than orchestra instruments, would you say? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Okay, well, that's going to be a defensive opinion. All right, I'm done. Okay. Question time. Question time, okay. Question to Sam. Yes. How would you respond to the claim that the dude is obviously Quincy Jones's attempt to recapture Isaac Hayes' success with Shaft, the song? I would say they're incomparable songs. Shaft as a theme song to the film Shaft is different in feel. Uh, in the landscape it's portraying, and even the style of music, right? Shaft is uh, more aggressive Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, builds... It's like it's for a film. It's for a movie. The dude is not. The dude sits by itself on a song. You require the action montage to go along with the Shaft theme more, I think, than you would for the dude. But can you deny that it's obviously of the same... Uh, structure. I like to call this a character breakdown song. Hmm. And um, so my question to you is, can you explain why Quincy Jones would go to the trouble for a character breakdown song about a character that we have no reference to? Why he would do that? Yeah. Uh, I think because it would paint a picture of an entertaining and interesting muse. Okay. But I think all I gathered from the lyrics was that he was cool. Oh, I didn't even listen to the lyrics. You didn't? No, I don't care about lyrics. You don't? No, you just have to listen to the bass line to know that this is musically complex, yeah. Okay. And okay. That's, that, that is a perspective I was not anticipating. Um, that happens a lot with Sam. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a big lyrics guy. Yeah, he's talking about walking down the street. You know, he does the rap and all that stuff. Um but as far as, you know, the, the bass, drums, guitar, keys, synth, everything, I don't, and song structure itself, outside of the lyrics, I don't see the connection to the Shaft theme. Okay. Maybe if we break down the lyrics like we would a script, uh, yeah, I would see a connection there in trying to describe the character and how he fits in the world. But um, other than that, I don't see the connection. Okay. Okay. Um, what do you think, so if we go through Quincy Jones's mm-hmm. catalog, mm-hmm. What do you think it was about this song that spoke to him as an artist? Why the dude? Why the dude? Well, that's a tough question. I have never thought of what speaks to anyone as an artist. Um, (laughs) I think he was thinking about how how fun the song is, just musically, more than anything else. The groove itself... The uh, yeah, how it makes you move. Okay. I would think it's it speaks on that level, but I don't know. I don't. I'm not a deep thinker. I'm an idiot. Okay. Um, I think that's good for now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Over to Harris. Questions. Questions. Um. Do you think? And I know, and I'm in the same boat. I am aware of classical music. I don't have an extensive knowledge. Would you, I heard a lot of familiar 
segments of music that kind of reminded me of the horror genre in -hmm. general. Do mm-hmm. you think that's a result of the power of this composer or the fact that it was Fantasia in 1940s and then for the next 40 years, horror movies would become very popular and that kind of stuck in other composers' minds? Like, how much would you credit this piece of music with influencing, say, the Halloween soundtrack? Oh, that's an interesting question. I'm not as well-versed on things like composition and composers as I would like to be, although I do appreciate it. Like a well-scored anything, but a well-scored film is especially powerful. I think that this, uh, you know, undeniably, I think, without without Fantasia, this piece could have been almost completely forgotten. This, this kind of stamped it in the public's memory. Um, you know, I think, I think uh, John Carpenter, who composed the theme to Halloween as well as directed it i think he talked about i believe he composed the theme as to halloween yeah. uh but i think he talked about the influence of like classical music on it and yeah. things like that and who knows it could have inspired i'm i'm sure it must have had uh some kind of effect on some young person who would go on to make horror films because yeah. it is a very frightening segment yeah like for me it it sounded like every horror movie i've ever seen yes. in the different parts yes i remember being uh I was, yeah, terrified of it as a child, mm-hmm. but also spellbound. Yes. Because it is a very power. I think it is a very powerful piece of music. Yes. Now, I, how, it's hard to, this is what I'm struggling with. It's so hard to, uh, Sam is showing me a photo of the composer and there is yes. a striking resemblance between this composer and Sam, Tony. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, he, you're a little, you're more together than he is. He looks, he looks like he has a lot on his mind. He's a little strung out. Yeah, he's a little strung out. Yeah. Um, it's it's very hard to separate this from Fantasia and it just is. look at it as a piece of music. It is. Um, and to be fair, I think I do have an advantage in that. In that, uh, you know, if 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 the dude was associated, which it very easily could be, with a motion picture or something like this that. This is my theory. My theory is that there is a script out there called The Dude. Mm. And that they went to Quincy Jones and said, this movie's going to be awesome. Here's the script. Can you write the theme song? And then Mm. it fell through. It went into uh, limbo and it never got made. That's an interesting theory. And Quincy Jones just threw it on this album as an afterthought. I know this is a huge accusation. We know that's not true because it was written by uh, Rod Temperman. Temperton, sorry, who okay. was also a songwriter for Michael Jackson, singing so through Off the Wall and Thriller, etc. Okay. So him and Quincy Jones wrote it, not for a movie. Okay. No. I can't, maybe, I just can't get... It sounds I, like a theme, doesn't it? It. I don't know why it would exist for any other reason, because, unlike Sam, I am a lyrics person. There's not a lot of redemption in the lyrics. Just one woman's opinion. Um, redeem, redeem anything in a song. Mm-hmm. No, why? If you're not going to listen to the, if we're going to listen to a song that has no lyrics, compare that to a song that has lyrics. Just strip the lyrics out. Mm. Okay. Or not. But the lyrics are a fundamental part of the song. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Okay. I think being included, the lyrics are. I mean, if it wasn't just an instrumental. 
I actually think the lyrics actually hinder, hinder your case, to be honest. I think I if think, there yeah. were no lyrics, then you would have a, a much stronger case, actually. Well, I'm waiting to present my closing arguments. Okay. Okay. Um, why, and this, this is to the room, why do you think the Coen brothers did not use this in the movie The Big Lebowski? <laughs> I don't know, they probably didn't even know it existed. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting comment, Sam. All right, I'm good for now. All right, Sam, you mentioned you had some closing arguments to make. Well, don't you? Um, yeah, one or two. Yeah, that's all it comes down to. One or two. We're comparing a song that was made famous in a Disney movie mm-hmm. that had a visual element that has been claimed to be inseparable from the film. That is the world in which it operates. Are we comparing the film to no film, to a picture you put in your own head from a song for a movie you wouldn't watch? Are we going to claim a song is better because the fake movie in our head is worse than Fantasia? If that's the approach you're going to take, great. I wouldn't. I'd compare the song as it stands versus the composition as it stands independent of a movie. And when you do that, and you have to take into consideration, yes, it's guitar, bass, drums, keys, backing vocals, claps, percussion, etc., not traditional orchestral music, does that make it any less music? No, I don't think it does, because pop is important. Classical music is important. They're different genres, but the musicianship required to play the dude, a beautifully constructed pop R&B song, the musicianship required to do it that well is as high or higher than it is for any orchestra to play Mazorkski's A Night at Bald Mountain. You would not get the dude as high quality uh, sound reproduction from any other musicians and used in here, yet countless philharmonics and orchestras play A Night at Bald Mountain regularly and deliver on the same thing. I'm done. The dude's a better song. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> I'm just, that's with Harris. That's the Harris. I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Night on Bald Mountain is linked inextricably to Fantasia, but uh, it is great alongside Fantasia. Fantasia is a selection of important classical pieces enhanced by animation, they brought to life by animation. This piece was chosen because it already paints a vivid picture. There's lots to build on. There's lots to make. Uh, there's lots to create from the basis of this song, like the the terrifying animated segment that it, it that made it famous. Uh, this segment exists because the the music is so vivid that it paints a picture in your head, and the animators obviously felt like this picture was something that would be especially gripping on screen, and I think uh, they were right. Um, I'm not taking away from Sam's argument. Quincy Jones is, uh, you know, a very an esteemed, uh, important uh, American musician and composer and producer. Obviously, the pedigree of the people he works with is not in question. He's no hack. Uh, the dude is not my cup of tea, personally. Um, but I do respect it. I do respect Quincy Jones. Uh, Sam has, you know, made numerous allusions to the fact that, yeah, I mean, I would imagine the dude would be harder to reproduce and that it's not as, there's probably a lot more improvisation than 
we give it credit to on its first listen. There's, I'm sure, some room in there for musicians to add their own stamp. Maybe not so much in Night in Bald Mountain. A clarinetist can't go off on their own and start riffing. <laughs> so it is a bit apples to oranges in that we are comparing something that is kind of established literature versus something that is more contemporary. But I feel Night on Bald Mountain as a composition is a stronger composition. That's all I have to say. All right. It's final decision time. It's judgment time. Okay, so I need to sort through some biases uh, before I make my decision. Bias number one, this is just a personal thing. I hate um, baritone talking in a song. (laughs) Yeah. I understand that. Um, and this is, and I do want to clarify before we get into this, your decision can be based on the arguments and your own biases and anything, I, and, and okay. totally independent of what we've talked. That's about. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just, I want to be, I want to judge with integrity. So, um, admirable. Uh, a baritone talking in a song usually comes in '90s R&B and pop, and it's usually before, and it always starts with "Hey girl," and then they talk about. <laughs> Uh, did you wrong? And I've hated this since my formative <laughs> preteen years. So that's one bias. Second bias is um, I am a sucker for a sob story, like the fact that this piece of music was never uh, Modest's music was not discovered till after he was dead. I am a sucker for this kind of mystery, um, lost document mm-hmm. kind of adventure. So that just kind of tugs at my heartstrings. Um, next bias, uh, <laughs> just that kind of slappy bass solo is just very funny to me. It's hard for me to take it seriously. Oh, there's very limited. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that like, bow, 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 bow. and it, that is, I'm um, living in a post-Seinfeld world, so it's hard for me to take that seriously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another bias, I hate when backup singers are given very little to do, and in that song, it was very, I felt that what they gave the backup singers was very disinteresting. They basically just, it's, I call it a repeat. So, um, I felt bad for that. And then, uh, bias towards <laughs> Bald Mountain. Um, uh, so scary. And, um, the thing with Bald Mountain is that it, for me, because I am such a movie fan, and um, recently I'm really into silent movies. <laughs> I know that sounds so weird, but I was starting because they're like all on YouTube. But you need all the music to go along with it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why. Right, Harris is the winner, right? Uh, <laughs> no. But at the I end do. of the day, the one thing I can't get over is that the dude sounds like. They had to deliver an album. It had to be this long. They were out of ideas. So uh, they just got a bunch of musicians in a room and jammed and went, that sounded pretty good. Let's get some lyrics. And they went, you know what? No time. It's called The Dude. Let's improvise. Uh, Whereas this composer kind of... 
Oh, I don't give a <laughs> shit. This is great. Uh, that's what it sounds like to me mm-hmm. as a biased judge. No, I understand that rap because, isn't your cup of tea. No, it, I, it, I, how dare you, sir? Uh, <laughs> how dare you accuse me of such a thing? Um, it's... It, it just sounds, this song feels like an afterthought because if it wasn't an afterthought in the hands of Quincy Jones, it would if he, I, if he cared more about this song, it would have been a giant hit because it is Quincy Jones. It's a great song. Like, and that's how high the bar is for Quincy Jones is that even his afterthoughts are as well composed as this. It just doesn't have that Quincy fire. And mm. that's why it wasn't a mega hit. Whereas this, I have to give it, I have to give it to Bald Mountain mm-hmm. because if this was found in a drawer and through luck and circumstance, that ex- there's a lot of creepy music out there, but that was the one chosen for Fantasia by Disney. And that ain't no small thing. No. So, no. Final decision. Yeah. Bald Mountain. right. Good call. Yeah. It is the better song, no doubt. Uh, Night at Bald Mountain is a brilliant So quick, Sam. Well, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, this is what he does. Is he, like, he builds up this like, this like, ah, this like aggressive, and then he's like, yeah, that's uh, that's fine. I <laughs> yeah, of course. And then I'm, but I'm all geared up to fight more. I know, I just, I felt, I felt so bad. There's no fight. It's, uh, it's an <laughs> iconic song. Absolutely. And, Can you please uh, put the picture of Modest on your oh, social media? Yes. Next no. to a picture of you on like a really bad day. Like, could you <laughs> on a really like, bad day? I haven't showered in a week. Like, okay, so don't maybe get a hangover going for tomorrow morning. Get a hangover. <laughs> drive through Russian traffic for yeah, a bit. yeah. No, I we will. Don't worry about it. This is oh, I should probably not play this while we're still recording. <laughs> Lauren, thanks very much for being on Thank the show. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Well done, Sam. Well done, Harris. As always. As always. Yeah, thanks, great. Lauren, Thank for you, being our esteemed judge. Bye.